I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. The director of the McAllen Economic Development Corporation, Keith Patridge, says the whole border region stands to benefit from new provisions in the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement, the USMCA. Everything you gave today, I've heard before, uh-huh. except the brain drain situation. Uh-huh. That's, that's important to you. You were saying with our unemployment so low, what we've got to think about is not just any old job, but quality jobs. Well, that? Yeah, it's you know where we're where we're at right now, and this is something that everyone's being focused on across the country. Is uh, labor is becoming the big issue for almost all communities finding skilled labor, and so as a result, what we have is. Uh, We've been looking at, as we bring companies in, the companies we bring in, if they're paying the 12 or $14 an hour wage rate or ten fifty, whatever that, the wages may be, if we bring those in, then what we end up doing is we're competing against all of our existing businesses for that labor. And so what happens is we start seeing a sh- shifting of labor going around. Well, at the meantime, we have... 50 or 60,000 students in higher education in the Rio Grande Valley that um, if we don't have jobs for them, then all we're doing is training them for someone else. And because there's such a demand for labor, there's more job openings than there are job seekers, if the better we do in training, the more people are going to come down here to steal our best and brightest and take them away. And so when it comes to, uh, when you look at it from an economic standpoint, what that means is it's a zero-sum game. Because 20 years from now, we'll look at where we're at and we're at the same place. We've trained a lot of people, but they're not here anymore. And so what we have to focus on is how do we start bringing in those jobs that require the higher skills that we're training our, our kids for at the higher educational institutions. Uh, and in order for us to do that, there's going to be, quite frankly, the, the, the community is going to have to invest in order to get those jobs because those are the jobs that everyone wants. Those high-paying, high-skilled jobs. Every city in the world wants high-paying, high-skilled jobs. And so we have to look at how do we look at what we have here, the strengths of this area that distinguish us from everyone else, and say, okay, how can we identify companies that are going to use those but also going to bring in higher-level, higher-skilled jobs? And so that's kind of what we're looking at. Because of the USMCA and the 75% regional value content, the, the $16 an hour plus benefit requirement in the automotive, then what we're seeing is automotive suppliers of other parts of the world are saying, I got to be there because there's no way I can hit the 75% requirement. And so as a result, they say, well, we got to be there. Where should I go? Being on the border, you also have the ability to use the the um, the free trade agreements that Mexico has as well, and so that's what we're looking at. So there's a strategy connected to it, but it also means that the city is going to have to invest. We're going to have to literally probably put some inf- infrastructure on the ground that will attract those type of jobs, 
and that's expensive. And that's where the development work is. Keith Patridge uh, addressing the McAllen Development Corporation. Keith, can you explain how the new USMCA will encourage companies to stay in the U.S. and foreign companies to look at this area? Okay. Yeah, it's um, what you what you have is that uh, in under the old NAFTA or the NAFTA agreement, there was no reason. A company, if they were anywhere in North America, they could uh, they would qualify for NAFTA. So as a result, you had the car companies, particularly, and that's what they were focused on as the automotive uh, companies that located in Mexico, uh, assembly plants. Said, well, from our standpoint as a car company, I would rather have my my supplier base right next door to the plant because it eliminates tra- uh, uh, transportation, it, it allows them flexibility on changing schedules, it allows them to take care of any problems that they may have very easily. So what was happening, and this is explains a lot about how Trump was elected, okay? Because what happened is prior to that, we were seeing it for probably two years before the uh, before the um, uh, the the new uh, before the election really what we would see is companies generally those companies automotive suppliers if you look at the de- that the profile of a supplier most of them are not located in big cities they're located in small little towns in Indiana Ohio western Pennsylvania Michigan uh, Illinois or Wisconsin. And so as a result, what they were is they used to be agricultural welding shops, basically, or machine shops that uh, car companies started coming to them many, many years ago and says, hey, can you build this for me? And they started building that and they started building a company that all of a sudden in this little town of maybe 10,000 people, they had a plant that was supplying General Motors or Chrysler or Ford or Mercedes or whoever with, with uh, you know, $200 million worth of parts employing 750 or 1,000 people. And so, as a result, uh, those were that was basically the industry in the city. Uh, and all of a sudden, when the car plants started moving to Mexico, they said, "Well, I want you, Mr. Supplier, in little town in one of those states. I want you to move to Mexico." And so, what we started seeing after the car plants started moving to Mexico is the companies would come down. They'd come. We called them migratory waterfowl because they would come down in spring and fall. They would come in. Generally, the owner, president of the company, uh, would come in and say, oh, "My customer is telling me I got to move to Mexico." But he says, "I can't move to Mexico because you know, my dad started my that plant in little town in Ohio um, 60 years ago, and I know all of the, my." people that work there. Uh, many of them, I'm godfathers to some of their kids or whatever, you know, they went to school with them. And he says, I can't put those my employees out of work. So they would come down, they would look, we'd take them to Reynosa, we'd show them what we had and everything. They would come back and say, no, nah, I just can't justify it. So they would go back and talk to their customers and say, no, we just can't justify moving. And this went on for about two years. Then we started seeing the foreign car companies coming in. Mercedes, BMW, Audi, uh, Kia, 
<clears throat> so you started seeing Toyota started setting up plants in Mexico. They started going to their suppliers and saying, I want you to put a plant into Mexico. So what happened is, all of a sudden, the Asian, some of the Asian and, and European suppliers started putting plants in Mexico. As soon as they had the plants there, now the car company's story changed. They went to the little town in Ohio and said to the owner of the company, look, you either move to Mexico or we're pulling our contract and we're giving it to one of the foreign companies in Mexico. They didn't have a choice anymore. So all of a sudden, right before the election, probably a year maybe before the election, and it kept increasing through the campaign trail, we started seeing all these companies moving to Mexico. And it wasn't the big guys. It wasn't the Fords and the General Motors and Chryslers. They were already there. No one cared about them because they were generally located in a big city that could absorb a loss of a thousand jobs like that. Okay, this was in little towns that if all of a sudden that guy says, "I got to close or I lose my contract," and he closes a plant down in a town of ten thousand people, and that's the biggest employer, you can see what it does to the whole town. Trump. Recognize that. That's why in the campaign he kept saying, I'm going to stop these companies from going to Mexico. He was a little bit more colorful than I was, but, but he said, I'm going to stop them from going to Mexico. Okay? And so he said, I'm going to renegotiate this damn NAFTA. It's the worst trade agreement in the world. We're going to renegotiate it. And so when you look at the USMCA, compare it to NAFTA, Virtually everything's the same in NAFTA except in automotive, technology, and agricultural products, and pharmaceuticals. Everything else is pretty much the same. But what he was looking at is the automotive, because if you look at the states that won him the presidency, what were they? Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, and Pennsylvania. Okay? And so he recognized that. So I. Right then, I knew we were going to have a new NAFTA agreement. And so first thing he did was, we're changing it to stop the companies from moving to Mexico. So what did he do? He didn't say, you can't move to Mexico because you can't do that. Okay, that would be illegal. Okay, and so, but what he did say is, but we're going to negotiate it so that Whatever you do, 40% of the value of that vehicle has to be produced in a plant that pays at least $16 an hour. When you say $16 an hour and you go to Ford and General Motors and Chrysler, now remember, NAFTA, they were wanting them right next door to their plant. Under USMCA, what that would mean is they would have a plant right next door to them paying 16 bucks an hour and they're paying 450 you see what happens? The car companies all of a sudden would lose all their employees to their suppliers and they would, wouldn't be able to find people. So they're saying, uh-uh, don't move to Mexico. I don't want you in Mexico. You can stay where you're at and ship your product down to us. Okay? So that's exactly what happened. So everything just shut down as far as companies looking to move to Mexico. But at the same token... There's another provision of USMCA that is very important that he got added. And these are the two major changes in the automotive section. 
is, well, there's a lot more because they require all aluminum and steel. 60% of it has to come from the U.S. And so there's other things. But the other very important one was the 75% regional value content. So it says, in order for a car to qualify under the USMCA, 75% of the value of that car has to be produced or has to come from U.S., Mexico, or Canada. Okay, All three countries would agree to that. But now, all of a sudden, you have the suppliers in Germany that's sitting there saying, we have to be able to deliver our customer enough U.S. value content that they can hit 75%. There is no way that they could do that unless they were located in North America. So now they say, and this is what they're telling us, we have to be in North America because if we're not, we're going to lose the contracts. Okay, same thing, only BMW is going to pull our contract and give it to somebody in the U.S. because we can't do it. So we have to go to to North America in order to preserve our market. Okay, then what happens is they come in, they say, well, we can go anywhere in North America, Canada, U.S., or Mexico. So where should we go? And generally, they start looking at, well, we'll go to the U.S. But then all of a sudden, and this is what we've been putting the message out, and it resonates very well, is saying, okay, you can locate in Ohio or Indiana or, or, or somewhere else in the U.S., but what are you going to do when your customer, BMW, says, well, I got the next thousand vehicles are going to be shipped to the EU or shipped to Japan or shipped to Brazil or shipped to one of the other countries. Now, all of a sudden, if it's made in the USA, it doesn't qualify under the Mexico enter the country's free trade agreement. So that has to be produced in Mexico. So now the companies say, oh, wow. Well, if we locate over there, we have to have a plant. We got to have it in the U.S. for the $16 an hour. We got to have it in Mexico for the Mexico free trade agreements. Wow! If we go to the border, we can put a plant in McAllen. We can put a plant in Reynosa, and our management team, the managers, the accountants, the engineers, the the quality people, the HR people, all the high-dollar labor. Can manage both. They can manage the Reynosa plant. They can manage the U.S. plant. You see what I'm saying? So now, all of a sudden, to them, spreading their cost out, they're saying, "Well, we can put a plant here, a plant here. Our managers are managing both, and they can live in the U.S. and their families can live in the U.S., which they want to do anyway. And then they can say, then we can go to our customers, and we can say." Mr. Customer, we're on the border. We can produce in the U.S. for to give you the 40% requirement at $16 an hour, or we can produce it in Reynosa, uh, where I can, we can give you the Mexico content for the all the other rest of the global market. Tell me what your production is, and we'll build it wherever you want it. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And all of a sudden, we have a competitive advantage that no place else except the border has. That is, that is the best explanation I have heard in the last 
five years. And and what? But what this? And and I will tell you, you, you know, everybody cusses him and screams at him and says he's an idiot and everything else. Trump is the one who knew this. He knew what was going to get him elected, and it was those people and stopping the flow of jobs to Mexico. This this Chinese company that you're hopeful of getting, Mm -hmm. was that their rationale? Absolutely. 100%. They knew knew what was in USMCA, what's coming in, and if they can be in Reynosa and McAllen. I will even tell you something that's even more interesting. We now have supplier companies that are located in the Bahio that are now looking at setting a plant up on the U.S. side. They'll keep the one in the Bahio, but, but they'll have a... To, to do the, the reverse, US. yeah. So this is great time. If we can get USMCA passed, a lot of the European, the Chinese particularly companies, uh, they have other things to worry about. The 301 tariffs you know, the, that they put on there, that's driving them as well as the USMCA. In Europe, the companies are saying, well, okay, uh, I'm going to wait until the USMCA passes, until it's ratified, and once it's ratified, then we'll move. So what they're doing is they're looking, they're gathering all this information, they're saying, yeah, it makes sense to be on the border because, man, we can offer our customers all kinds of things that a plant in Bahio can't do, a plant in Ohio can't do, but we can do on the border. And so that's what they're looking at. So so you really are ramping up your uh, marketing, your visibility through that group, uh, TBIC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really are making yourself... Well, in, in, Europe, Europe, in Europe. In Europe. In China, mm-hmm. we are fortunate because we have tied into a husband and wife that are just phenomenally well-connected over there. Uh, and so, as a result, we really, the border needs to be pushing like crazy to get USMCA passed. And, you know, while the whole border will benefit from it, it just so happens geographically, we are in the middle of the population corridor, north-south, so everyone will benefit. We stand to really benefit. Created in the 1980s, the McAllen Economic Development Corporation, President and CEO Keith Patridge, is an independent organization with a mission to create jobs and generate revenue for the residents of McAllen, Texas.